Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Morning shot. Good morning. You're with uh, Breakfast with Lindley and Ryan. Now, just days before the first anniversary of Russia's invasion, U.S. President Joe Biden swept unannounced into Ukraine for a surprise meet with President Volodymyr Zelensky. That's uh, in a show of solidarity with a country still fighting what he called a brutal and unjust war. The war also featured front and centre of security talks over the weekend in Munich, where foreign dignitaries and all the big weeks, defence officials gathered as the grim one-year milestone in Ukraine looms. Washington declared Russia's actions in Ukraine as crimes against humanity. The EU announced its intention to speed up and scale up the production of ammunition badly needed on the battlefield in Ukraine and to join forces with its member of countries. Meanwhile, UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak says the UK stands ready to support allies who have fighter jets ready to hand over to Ukraine immediately. Now, to help us unpack the outcomes from the Munich Security Conference, we are joined this morning by John Blacksland, Professor of International Security and Intelligence Studies at the Australian National University's Strategic and Defence Studies Centre. Very good morning to you, John. Good to be with you. Thanks for having me on the program. All right, let's start off with uh, Biden's surprise trip to Ukraine overnight. How brazen Mm. was that? It's the boldest move we've seen from Biden in a while. And it it does follow the precedent that's been set by other European leaders. So it's not completely uh, out of left field, but it is a very important morale boost for Ukraine and a very important signal both to Putin and to other world leaders such as President Xi in China, who is contemplating the use of additional resources, military resources to bolster the Russian position. And that is obviously something that's deeply worrying as as the prospect of escalation in 2023 is mounting. Now, we saw the US, the EU and the UK all rally behind Ukraine over the weekend with uh, President Biden also saying that they will be supporting them as long as it takes, right? With Mm. promises on what they're expected to do in the coming days. What are your thoughts on the outcomes from those meetings? Will Ukraine be satisfied? So it's hard for Ukraine to be satisfied because its territory is every day now being subject to bombardment Mm. from uh, indiscriminate Russian weapons uh, that are, in fact, deliberately targeting infrastructure and civilian communities to damage morale, to undermine their resolve, to keep on fighting. It's very interesting that while the campaign continues, the so-called Russian offensive in the eastern part of Ukraine continues, the, the major focus for Russia over the last six months has been on break, trying to break the morale, um, the resolve of the of Ukrainian people, in large part because of the failure of their tactics and their operational prowess in the field in Ukraine itself. Uh, the Russian vaunted military might has been absolutely exposed as a Potemkin village-like inadequate capability that can only destroy an enemy through mass, not through quality. But unfortunately, quantity has a quality all of its own, and that is something that Russia under Putin seems to be prepared to squander in the pursuit of its imperial ambitions. I want to talk more about the support that the West has pledged. Does the West have the metal and the resources to keep supporting Ukraine for what could 
evolve into a very long and drawn-out war of attrition? Yeah, good question. And I think, you know, historically getting a resolve from NATO has been a bit like herding cats. And uh, it certainly has been difficult. But what's become very clear for many of the leaders of the of countries in NATO and, and others beyond, including places like Australia and Japan, is that the stakes are actually quite high and that uh, were we to simply turn our backs on Ukraine, it wouldn't end there. This would send a grave signal uh, for Russia about its uh, ability to use force to get its way. It would have a very unsettling effect on the Baltic states, on Poland and elsewhere across Europe and beyond. It would also send a signal to China that has demonstrated and explicitly called for the annexation of Taiwan militarily that it would be in a strong position to be able to pursue that strategy because the West lacks spine. And that is deeply unsettling, that prospect, and it is clearly something that is on the minds of world leaders. And we've seen this even with, you know, the so-called North Atlantic Treaty Organization members becoming engaged in East Asian Indo-Pacific affairs because they are seeing that both ends of the Eurasian landmass, what Russia is doing and what China is doing, are in fact linked and that if you want to influence events in Ukraine and Western Europe, you have to bear in mind what's happening at the other end of the Eurasian landmass as well. Yeah, it's interesting that you're talking about Beijing. They are watching the Ukraine situation very closely. What do you make of uh, you know, possible major reverberations, if any, in Asia Pacific, should Russia succeed in Ukraine? So the, the worry is that this will send a, a message about America not being serious. Uh, if it's not serious enough to make sure uh, Ukraine is able to stave off a Russian uh, advance and, de- mm. and defeat at the hand of the Russians, what does it say about its resolve to support US allies in East Asia? Uh, particularly relating to Taiwan, but other issues in the South China Sea. This is worrying not just for Taiwanese people, but for the Japanese, for the Filipinos, for the Koreans as well, who have treaty obligations from the United States to help defend them in the face of uh, aggression from, in the case of Korea, from North Korea, in the case of Japan, from uh, a range of parties. And of course, for the Filipinos, it's particularly worrying about Chinese aggressive behaviour in the South China Sea. So the United States, its reputation is a big part of the equation. um, Mm -hmm. And the morale effect, if you like, of Putin being pushed back, of the, the US president's visit, Joe Biden's visit to Ukraine, to Kiev, does signal that this year is one where the United States is going to hold its line. It is probably going to increase its support. We're probably going to see the release of aircraft in the coming weeks and months as those tanks that have been promised start rolling across the border into Ukraine and then are then deployable by Ukraine to push back uh, in addition to the HIMARS and other systems, precision-guided munitions that they've been equipped with to impose on Russia a very severe price for their continued aggression. So with all these pledges of support, with Biden's uh, visit to Ukraine, what should we make of the fact that uh, Russia wasn't actually invited to to those talks in Munich? And are they even shaken by all of these uh, sure support? 
So it's very interesting, uh, Vladimir Putin at the Munich Security Conference in 2007 outlined a very dark picture of uh, the confrontation that was looming between the West and Russia. Uh, he has followed through on that uh, effectively a promise, uh, but it's a promise that uh, you know some pundits uh, out there saying it's all the West's fault. Mm. Uh, effectively, we forget, though, that it is the odious regime of Putin's Russia with mm. its imperial ambitions that has scared away, that has driven many of the Eastern Europeans into the arms of NATO and the actions in countries like Chechnya, mm. uh, Georgia, uh, Crimea, in Syria, and now, of course, in the Donbass in Ukraine, demonstrate the ugly character of Russia's power under Putin that has, in fact, motivated all of these other countries to run in the opposite direction. So Putin, you know, can talk about NATO expansion, uh, but it's Putin's defenders need to acknowledge that Putin is ugly and mm. that his state is repressive and it is unattractive to all neighbours except countries like China and North Korea and Iran. And what does that tell us all? Hmm. One question that's high on everyone's radar, who will replace Stoltenberg as the next NATO Secretary General? Do you see any indications during the weekend meetings? Yes, it's not clear yet uh, who's going to replace him. Uh, He's been a very strong uh, leader uh, over the last few years, and I know there's been some talk about him possibly being extended. and uh, there's been debate about, you know, no talk of a possible Canadian. I don't think that that's likely. Uh, my sense is that it has to be a European. Um, it has to, can't be somebody from North America. And so it's hard to say, but someone like Jens Stoltenberg, if not him himself, uh, staying on for longer. All right. Thank you very much, John. We've been speaking with John Blackslin, Professor of International Security and Intelligence Studies at the Australian National University's Strategic and Defence Studies Centre. Thank you very much. Thanks very much. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.